Hello and welcome to episode 198 of The Dive Down, a Magic the Gathering podcast focused on the latest decks, trends, and strategies for the casual spike. My name is Shane here in Denver, Colorado. With me on the line from Oak Park, Illinois, it's the godfather, Dave Harbarger. It's very specific. We've gotten very specific about where I live. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I, I want, <laughs> I want, you know, don't be creepy Oak Parkman people now. out there. I mean, it's a big city. There's a lot of people. What's the population of OP? Uh, uh, 1,000. Oh, well, they're going to find you, David. No. It's like 60,000 or something like that. Oh, so it's like Lakewood. Yes. It's basically the same city as the city we grew up in on the west side of Cleveland. Yeah. Lakewood, they're going to find us now. Yeah. Um, so, Dave, yeah. how was your weekend? I mean, I survived. How was your weekend? I had a good time. I had a buddy in from, from, from Cleveland, by the way. Anyone I and, know? Um, you might have met Derek once. Mm. He's one of my, he's one of my old motorbike friends. I think, I think, yeah. Yeah. He's a good guy. And yeah, so he came out, we had some fun, um, you know, that kind of stuff. But you, you were around much younger people. I spent an entire weekend building up to readying for preparing, cleaning, setting up for a seven-year-old birthday party. Yeah. So you cleaned, you cleaned for the seven-year-old's birthday party. Oh my God. Well, we cleaned for their parents. This house, oh, yeah. you could have eaten. You could have eaten birthday cake off the floor, Shane, and maybe I did when nobody was looking. For, for yeah, like if you know, it falls down. There's some scraps. The dog doesn't get to them fast enough. All mine. Oh, me and that dog are always fighting over the scraps. Are you kidding? <laughs> the two lowest members of every household are the dad and the dog. <laughs> did you go in the bounce house? Oh no, the bounce house can't contain me. We yes, we got a giant. This this bounce house was huge, Shane. It's huge. Bounce mansion. It was kind of a bounce mansion. Yeah. There were like 13 kids in it at different points in time. 13, 14 kids. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Did they, were they just like ricocheting off each other? Like head injuries? I constantly had to yell into the side of the bounce house. People, children's names. <laughs> Cut it out. Da, da, da. And then, you know, managing. I mean, I don't know if you know about this phenomenon since you don't have the children's as well, Shane, but there's a phenomenon of the, the drop off. Okay. Where, um, you know, we sent out an invitation. We weren't very clear about whether we wanted people to stay. You know, we didn't say whether it was a drop off or not. And we were hoping, you know, most parents would stay and we got some beers and we got some sandwiches to give to parents and like very few parents stayed. So we, it was just me and my wife and like 15 first graders. <laughs> so you were homeschooling. It, it was like the, it was a rough three hours. It was the slow, the longest three hours of my life. I'm sure the children appreciate it, Dave. They were like, thank you, Mr. Harbarger. Those kids, they all called me Dave. They got no respect. <laughs> hey, Dave. That's so casual. Yeah, I know. They're, they're really casual. Such casual energy. Well, I want some respect here from arrived. the nation, so let's let's do that. So, obviously, Stan's not here. He's got a lot of, you know, just a lot of stuff going on. Sometimes you just can't properly prepare for an episode. I mean, it's funny, because, like, these are my favorite episodes to do with y'all, because, you know, we sometimes have some little feisty conversations. We have brainstorming conversations, and, and I look forward to it. But, you know, the episodes with just me and you, Dave, they do have a special energy. I, I think that you might have broken him last week by yelling at him about how bad her goal was. I'm not sure. I have guilt about that. I have lingering guilt. Um, but you know, I, I, you know, I just, I'm not going to, don't make me start talking about Herkel. <laughs> we don't talk but about this Herkel. week. We don't talk about Herkel, but we do talk about, I only played that song five times this. Yeah. During the birthday party, surface pressure. And we don't talk about Bruno. Well, we are going to talk about this week. We will be probably fairly briefly talking about 
the NRG Fort Wayne results. It's another team trios. It's a another five. It's a five k modern uh, trial on Sunday. Then we will get quickly into our part two of bromancing the Power Stones Jewel of the Nile. Is that is there actually a uh, romancing the stones part two? Yeah, it's called Jewel of the Nile. Beautiful. Is that also Zemeckis, or did he hand off the IP? Uh, it is not a Zemeckis movie, Ugh. but it is the same stars. But it has the incredible song I was obsessed with when I was in first grade by Billy Ocean was the theme song. And it's called When They Go and Get Tough, The Tough Get Going. That was from Jewel of the Nile. I don't know if you remember this. Maybe we can outro with that one. Let's get let's get the rights. Let's quickly write them and get the uh, okay that we can use that for our outro music. Yep. Get out of my and, dreams. Get into my podcast. And maybe we, maybe we'll have time for just you know a little one on one convo to wind things down. But don't count on it. First, some brief housekeeping. Just have a few new patrons in TJ M and David S. I feel like we talked about David S. Pumpkins last week. I'm sure that David S. also hates. I mean, I'm sure no one calls David. David S. David S. But when we do, then he's David S. Pumpkins. So thank you both for joining the Dive Down Nation. No increased tiers, no new reviews that I could find this week. Um, but if you want to be like TJ and David, you can head on over to patreon.com slash the dive down. It's the best way to support us directly, keep us going, uh, keep things financed over here at Dive Down Central. And we appreciate all of you who have joined in the past, who have been part of the nation, who are thinking about joining. You know, you can get access to the Discord. You can get all of the cool swag, like, you know, stickers, pins, tokens, playmats, deck boxes, all that good stuff uh, by patreon.com slash the dive down. That's right. And if you would like to support us while playing Magic Online, you can rent Magic the Gathering playing cards at manatraders.com. Manatraders.com is the rental service that we've been using for four years at this point, long before they were our sponsors. Um, we were using them to be able to play leagues. And guess what? I'm still doing it. Maybe we'll talk about the deck I've been playing a little bit more. But this week, I've been playing Pioneer Phoenix, getting ready to have some Thoughts and keep an Whoa. eye on Pioneer coming into the RC in Atlanta, which I, of course, yeah, am not good. playing in, but been enjoying that. There are LCQs, Dave, and you are getting there early. That's true. You have a chance. That's true. Uh, I don't have a chance, but I might play in one anyway. But if you would like to give us a little bit of support when you go check out Mana Traders, you can use code the Dive Down 15 to get 10% off your first two months of Magic Online card rentals. And then if you'd like to play with paper cards... If you like that, you can check out our partner, Nerd Rage Gaming, to uh, use the code DIVE8 to get 8% off of cards that you order from them. Nerd Rage Gaming will be talking about their championship series in just a few moments, but uh, we're proud to be the official podcast of the Nerd Rage Championship Series. And then finally, we'll talk about Barrister and Man more later, but if you want to go check them out, Barrister and Man for shaving, grooming, skincare products. Uh, you can use the Dive Down 15 to get 15% off your first order. And that's all of it. That's all of it. That's the end of it. Dave. Yeah. It's not the end for you, though, my friend, because I have you on the news desk to give me all of the hot, hot info that came out of NRG Fort Wayne weekend. Hot, hot info. Yeah. So this is Nerd Rage Gaming for Fortunes of Wayne. I'm calling this this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Were you, are you a Fountains of Wayne guy? Oh, yeah. I love Fountains of Wayne. I don't know if I do or not. Uh, I don't. I don't. I don't think I know them well enough to have like a really. R.I.P. Adam. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, great albums, especially the first, the first couple of. Although their later albums are good too. So you know, I would just say, 
you know, come for uh, radiation vibe. It's stay for Stacy's mom overplayed, but still pretty catchy. Real musicians. I, do we have time for like a small digression? Did I ever tell you about when I was playing music and I was in a rehearsal space and we heard a band tuning up and then, <laughs> and they were in like the hallway of the rehearsal space across from us. Okay. And okay. we were just screwing around because I'm not a real mus- musician. Yeah. So I'm not a real musician, but I had rented a space with some friends. We heard a band across the hallway play Stacy's mom like partway through and we were like, wow, they sound pretty good. And then uh, <laughs> they, there was silence and we could hear talking through the doorway and then they played Stacy's mom again most of the way through and then there was talking and then they played it a third time and we were like, wow, they really like <laughs> to play Stacy's mom. And then we realized it was actually Fountains of Wayne was in the rehearsal studio across from us. Um, Why are they rehearsing Stacy? Like they have to know that song back and forth. You know, r- true musicians they still, have, they still have to practice. Anyway, uh, <laughs> Energy Fort Wayne. It's a Fort great Wayne. story, Dave. Yeah, I'm sure people have loved it. Uh, so yeah, as Shane mentioned, it's Teams. Again, Teams, Pioneer, Modern, Legacy, with a chaser of a Pioneer trial on Sunday that we'll talk about quickly after this. You know, it's tough a little bit as far as making deep insights into the way metagames are evolving in team trials. You know, they're awesome tournaments to play in. They're fun to watch even, but it's a different kind of vibe than what one V one games are non-team tournaments. Um, because you will see decks kind of move towards the center. I feel like there's a lot of people who sort of try to pick the most popular decks or the decks that they think are the most. Uh, so we get these kind of like really skewed metagames. So we're not going to dive deeply into the team trial, but we will go through the top eight just to see kind of what was going on there. So sure. um, eight teams that made the top eight. The team that came Weird. in first, I, don't, I know, amazing. Weird that it would be eight that made the top eight. We don't have first names for these people, for what it's worth. Um, <laughs> I'm lucky I think we have last names for them. Uh, I also just want to echo one thing. You know, I, I found a tweet from Fireshoes, a.k.a. Robert Taylor. If you don't follow Fireshoes on Twitter... This is literally the only reason to be on Twitter. Just go make a Twitter account, have one person you follow. It's Fire Shoes. You'll see all the competitive magic, (laughs) all the deck lists that come out. Robert out here doing God's work. We appreciate it. Um, But I found a good thread on uh, on Fire Shoes' Twitter about the top eight of this tournament. So in first place was, and I'm just going to say last names, Wilson Wright, McKinnon Crowley, and McKinnon Duggins. Not sure which pilot was on which deck, but they were on Mono Green Devotion, Jeskai Breach, and Mono Red Painter in Legacy. So Mono Green Devotion, this is the winning team. Mono Green Devotion didn't really have anything new in this particular list. Jeskai Breach had was the Grape Shot version. There was no Thassa's Oracle and Tooth Teferi in this one. So I'm not trying to do the fully decking thing, trying to more storm off. And then Mono Red Painter... Uh, in Legacy, just sweet, lots of broken cards. That's what I'm going to say about every Legacy deck. Second place, Washburn, Moses, Suleiman. That would be Raja Suleiman, by the way, I believe. And then Malali is Connor Malali. I don't, I'm not familiar with Washburn, Moses. I think that might be Adam. But um, so there was, that was Monogreen Devotion with Karn Silex in the sideboard, but not much else new away from the stock list there. <sighs> we, we saw a new card. Karn Silex. I know. Amazing. Blue-White Control. Uh, I'm assuming that Roger Sliman was the uh, pilot of this one. This one had four leyline bindings, so it was really your kind of five color for uh, blue eye control plus one broker's charm. So actually broker's casting charm. casting a uh, a bant card 
out of this deck, which basically, if you forget what Broker's Charm does, it's a straw to destroy target enchantment, or it does a fight effect with fight par- target planeswalker or creature. It like deals damage from one of your creatures to a target of your opponents. Modern staple Broker's Charm. I know. I mean, it was interesting to see it as a one of as just something to try out, but um curious how it ended up there. I wondered a little bit if the idea was having something that could destroy Underworld Breach if it got into play. Like, I wasn't sure if that's what we care about there. Mm. Anyway, and then the last deck in Legacy Seat was four, labeled as Four Color Snowco. Not really Oko, of course. Can't have that card, but uh, it has was a four color control deck with Minsk and Boo. The third place team: Poloski, Brickman, Slimak. In the Pioneer seat was Mono Green Devotion. You guys sensing a trend here, Shane? What do you Who think? Knew? Sensing a trend here, in my Pioneer? Mm, no, not yet. Keep going. Okay. Uh, this particular build happened to have Teferi, who uh, whatever's the sunset. Slows the sun. Slows the sun. Um, <laughs> Watches in the deck. sunsets peacefully. Yeah, for your kind of infinite combo there. Also, a main deck Sky Sovereign, which is pretty interesting. You don't see a lot of cards that could be Karn targets in the main deck of Mono Green Devotion. Often, and I feel like they probably just wanted a fifth Sky Sovereign. Is essentially maybe what that is. So you have two in the sideboard, one in the main board, and your and your four Karns to be able to go and get that card. People do really like that card these days. In the modern seat on this team was four color control. This is your Kahira four color control deck. Pretty much everything you would imagine. 60 card, um, used to be Yorian. Now it's just Kahira. Yeah. Who needs those extra cards? Exactly. They didn't need them. I told you still be popular. Uh, this is actually pretty close to the deck that Stan took to an RCQ this weekend for what it's worth. That's what, you know, we talked about it last week. He did go and compete in that RCQ. And then in the legacy seat for this, team nigh adepts i don't get into legacy but this deck was super interesting it was kind of elvish reclaimer crop rotation doing all the stuff to get get dark depths into play get those tokens off of it and then also minsk and boo for value i guess fourth place team Berglund, glonek termini in the pioneer seat bant spirits bant bant spirits here it comes in the modern seat, five color creativity. You know, this is what you would expect out of five color creativity. A one of Sundering Titan in the side as kind of your alternate game plan if you're going to go up against, you know, sw- swap out your targets that you're uh, creativity into in games two and three. I feel like that must have something to do with everybody running these five <laughs> domain mana bases where you just get to take off five different lands of theirs, probably. Alt threats are always interesting. And then in the Legacy seat, Oops All Spells. Oops All Spells and Legacy, complete with Balustrade Spy and the other the other one, just like the modern <laughs> the deck used to have. Undercity Informer. Undercity Informer, yeah. Interesting. I'm pretty sure that this deck, for what it's worth, is it's those cards, Rituals, pe- Lotus Petals, Elvish, and Simeon Spirit Guide. I think this probably just kills people on turn one, is kind of the idea, because you can essentially Dark Ritual into Balustrade Spy. I think is the one that costs three, or maybe it's Undercity Informant is the one that costs three. Um, but surprise. Yeah. I think, yeah, you can. I think there's certain combinations that you could go off on turn one. We're just force checking people is what that is. Do you have force at will? No. Okay. And then fifth place, Outerhoff, Palaraiko, and Loras. So pioneer seat on this one. Is it Phoenix? Like I mentioned, I've been playing this deck a little bit lately. It's a stock list here. Two Temporal Trespass, three Treasure Cruise, all the normal stuff. The sideboard is interesting a little bit where it has two copies of Burn Down the House and two Invoke the Winds. I haven't seen those too much, but pretty interesting. Modern Seat, four color Elementals 
it's really four color Karuga. This is somebody playing the everything costs more than three mana touch of the spirit realm deck like Stan has oh, talked about. Yeah. One interesting card that I saw in here, an additional piece of removal that they felt comfortable running, Dismember, because that is a card that you can run in a deck with Kahira if you'd like to, and pretty useful. One mana, negative five, negative five. And Karuga. You, know, you don't want to have too many of these, but uh, sorry, Karuga. But uh, Dismember's a good card. And then is it is it Delver in the Legacy Seed here? Sixth place. This is Piper Powell, Skylar Warfield, and Shea Straussman. Three players that you know we are familiar with on here. Not sure who piloted which deck, but Mono Green Devotion, Azorius Hammer, and Eight Cast in the Pioneer Modern and Legacy Seeds, respectively. To me, all these lists look very kind of stock, like what you would expect for those lists. But of course, these are piloted by extremely good players. So uh, they seem to be the people, some of the people with the most uh, familiar names to me in this top eight. Seventh place, Wharton, Darnell, Kraus, Bant Spirits again in the Pioneer seat, which seemed really cool. It's it, it made me wonder a little bit, this paired along with what's going on in the trial, in the 5K that we'll talk about in a minute, Yeah. plus people talking about what they're thinking about taking to the RC. I'm starting to wonder if Spirits is going to see a little bit of a resurgence suddenly, especially of the Bant variety, but we will come back to that. Modern seat for this seventh place team, Mill. Yeah. Mill is back. No more 80 card decks means we get to play Mill. Yeah, why not? Do it. Yep. Legacy, Doomsday. And then in eighth place, we had Manter, Martin, and Henderson. And then Pioneer Seat, they had Abzon, Abzon Greasefang. Is it Murktide in the Modern Seat? And another Oops All Spells slot in Legacy. Almost the exact same list, I think, as the uh, as the other person who is running this in Legacy, too. So. so there you have it. There's your top eight. As I said, the winning decks were Mono Green Devotion, Jeskai Breach, Mono Red Painter, Wow, that's a lot of mono green and a lot of four color ish control in modern. So it's like modern green and pioneer, four colors control in modern. Surprise? Not surprised? I mean, I feel like we're seeing a slight shift in the results of modern. And I'm not sure if it's because like it's a paper tournament and it's a you know modest field. And so, and you know, you can, we can't tell a lot about like what creeps to the top in these, but you know, if you look at the metagame of modern, we're still seeing like a lot of Is It Murktide, Amulet Titan is up there this weekend, uh, Golgari Yogmoth and Ozarius Hammer and Burn and Living End. All those decks were present, like, you know, between four to seven copies. But then I, I think we're seeing sort of a coalescing at the top of like these four color control decks that are doing very well. And, you know, just out of the top eight, we're seeing some things like Golgari Yogmoth and Amulet Titan and another, a Dredge even, like it's, it's called Five Color Mill, which I think is actually pretty clever. Oh. So like we're seeing a bunch of like random stuff. But please then when please I'm name at this your decks, eight, right though, people? Come on. You know, maybe, you know, this, this might've been, maybe, I feel like I'm just going to like give people the benefit of the doubt sometimes where it's like maybe they're being auto categorized or something, but you know, we're seeing five color creativity. We're seeing four color control slash elementals decks with like Kahira and Karuga still seeing things like Azorius Hammer and Jeskai Breach, of course. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting that in the four color decks that are here in modern, even let's say the control-ish decks, control-ish like if you want to even expand that circle and include like basically we're talking about the renin six ish decks even though blue eye control doesn't have renin six ish maybe i'm talking about leyline binding decks here we have blue eye control 
with Leyline Binding to work. We have a four-color Kahira deck. We have a five-color Creativity deck, and we have a four-color Karuga deck. They're all kind of similar cores as far as the cards that they want to play, but different takes on each one is pretty cool, at least. Yeah. I mean, one thing I'm also noticing is that in Pioneer, we're not seeing like two of our former pillars that we would kind of define the metagame by, which is like Mono Green Devotion, uh, Rakdos Midrange, and then like Mono White Aggro decks mm-hmm. right so we're really only seeing mono green devotion and then we're seeing some new things show up in banned spirits and you know is it phoenix having you know a small comeback here but really this is the story of mono green devotion still outrageously good even when people are very well aware of it yeah. so maybe that's just a good way for us to transition into the 5k exactly what a good transition so the 5k on sunday had a hundred players Okay, so it's really easy for the meta breakdown because it's the same. <laughs> the percentage is the same as the number of decks that there were. Here's an uncorrected meta breakdown from MTG Melee of NRG. And there are definitely going to be some asterisks here um, as we go. So Monogreen Devotion was the top of the list with 20 pilots. 20% of the meta was Monogreen Devotion, and it had a 60% win rate, even when it was 20% of the meta. Now, worth noting that for the first time when I was reading results on MTG Melee, I noticed that it said that the match win rates does not include mirror matches. Like, so the aggregate win rate that they post on Melee supposedly does not include mirror matches. That's weird, but it says the record includes, but the match win percentage excludes. Yeah. Interesting. Which is actually makes that number a lot more valuable, but, a, but even kind of scarier for Mono Green Devotion yeah. in some ways to suddenly be like, oh, yeah, okay, it does it does win a lot still, even when a lot of people are piling it. But let's go on to that. So the, what do you think the second most popular deck was, Shane? You just said it a minute ago. I know you have the list in I front mean, of you. Yeah. I mean, like, and I would, I would, I would guess this if, you know, I got Powerball winnings off it, Rakdos Midrange. Yeah. But here's the thing. 12 12% of the meta was Rakdos mid-range, in the uncorrected meta anyways, 12%. 33, 34% win rate. 34%. <laughs> oh, man. 34? Oh, man. I mean, I'm just going to say it now. So here, here's, we, we're going to be in, in Atlanta in two weeks. I suspect next week is maybe a bit of a preview episode for like maybe our thoughts on what's going to happen there a little bit. It at better least. be. And, yeah, it probably makes sense. And so, and Shane, there's a chance that you and I are going to be recording together, right? Because I'm I'm going to be oh, in Denver next how, Monday. Oh, that'll be great. Oh man, how are we going to pull that off? Yeah, to record like my guest bedroom, or we just put two heads on one mic. So the this is what I this is a very much what I think is going to happen at the in Atlanta, and I don't just mean these being the top two decks. I mean that I think that Rakdos midrange has a very good chance of underperforming because I think, you know, people like me would, who, you know, anyone who makes this is very good. Mm-hmm. But I think that there's are people who might audible to Rakdos midrange last minute and just be like, this is a safe choice. And I think that if you pick a deck that has a strong matchup against Monogreen Devotion and really shore up your Rakdos midrange game plan and like perhaps sideboard, I think that you have a good chance of you know, capitalizing on the safe choice of Rakdos midrange and people who might not be as experienced as you with a deck. And I mean, no one, no one's taking, taking advice from me on what deck to play in Atlanta, but I have a sneaking suspicion we'll see not exactly similar win rates to this, but I wouldn't be surprised if Rakdos midrange performs less than expected in Atlanta. Yeah. So this is our top tier. I do want to note one thing, a couple things. This is 30% of the meta. 
it's actually a little higher than 30% even because people submitted mono green devotion in here and I didn't correct it in the, in the numbers as mono green ramp and mono green aggro as names. So it's actually even closer to 23 or 24%. I think of people who registered it for this. So we're, we're over 30, we're well over 30% of the meta here. The next tier down, there's kind of three decks that people have been looking at and it actually works out this way in this tournament as well. Is it Phoenix, Obs on Grease Fang and mono white human slash mono white aggro are kind of the next tier. They're all around eight or 9%. Mono white humans, slash mono white aggro there are people who submitted lists under both of those names that's nine percent total of the metagame is it phoenix nine percent total of the metagame obzon grease fang eight percent total of the metagame and if you look at their performances like the mono white aggro decks i feel like people keep throwing these into like the the food mill of pioneer and we keep seeing like mid to high 40s where it's like, I'm curious why people keep bringing these, because I think that the, the thought process is that they do well against Mono Green Devotion and probably can go wide enough to get around what Ratchet's Midrange is trying to do. But I don't think we've seen that come into like the, the prophecy being fulfilled. It must just lose to everything else. Because when I've played against Mono White as Rakdos, I've had a tough time with it. When I've played against Mono White as Mono Green Devotion, had a tough time with it. So I, I just think it must lose to Phoenix and, and other things as well. Um, but anyway, definitely not one of the standouts. And Grease Fang equally getting more and more popular. But this match win record is positively Rakdosian. Yeah. I mean, I think Greasefang has interestingly become a deck that people are paying more attention to competitively. And unlike my prediction months ago, which is that Greasefang is going to become a terror of the format, I feel like it's become almost not something I understand why people are playing. Because we've seen a couple runs of Greasefang in these paper tournaments that it's just not doing quite well. And sure, it's powerful. And sure, it has things that you were, you know, you have to have hate to beat me, but there's a lot of hate and people are coming prepared for it. And clearly we're seeing that in these results, but is it Phoenix, Dave? I know. Tell me another graveyard deck. That's good. It's, is, is it Phoenix? Phoenix? Is it Phoenix? Yeah. I mean, nothing like casting spells and cacawing all the way to the bank. I've been really enjoying it the last week. Gotta say, I, I took a break for a little bit and came back, uh, but is it Phoenix had a six, had nine pilots and had a 62% uh, non-mirror win rate, supposedly, according to this, which is pretty fantastic. It's the highest number yeah. on all the decks that were above uh, 2% of the meta. So anything that was 3% or above in this 10K, it also worth noting that Canister won Sunday's Pioneer Challenge on Magic Online on Phoenix, and the finals were a 75-card mirror Phoenix versus Phoenix. Could this be the thing that's finally going to save us from mono green? I don't think this deck is good against mono green, but <laughs> I don't know. I will say like the, I, I think what we're getting at earlier is that the, the spirits decks that we saw two band spirits decks uh, in the top eight of the team trios, we see three mono blue spirits, three band spirits here just after the mono white block. So maybe, you know, six players who chose to bring spirits. The overall performance was about 50% across those two decks. In fact, I think it might be exactly 50% yep. across those two decks. Yep. So nothing mind blowing, but I think that I, I'm going to guess what you're talking about, what you're going to talk about, Dave. Okay. And it's that band, band spirits. We know that mono blue spirits has good game against green devotion that likely gets eaten alive by Rakdos in a lot of ways. Band Spirits, however, as we know, has the ability to refill 
and instant speed gets some board presence back or protection back with collected company. And that's always something that Rakdos does not want to be facing down. So it's like band spirits, the secret sauce and like a meta where, where 30, 40% of the meta game is two decks. Right. Yeah. I mean, I feel like there's a chance that it is. It's certainly, um, the leader of the next tier down. If we're looking at what's left in these top nine decks of this particular tournament. And what I honestly think is a pretty chalk reading of the top nine decks of pioneer right now, you know, spirits would be the top of the tier. That's just outside of everything to me, I think. And then, so maybe that's on the way up. I've heard more people talking about considering taking it to the RC. I think that it's also a deck that people can pick up if they're used to playing spirits in other formats. You know, it's a tribal tempo we deck and so it's not as hard to maybe learn the lines as some of these other decks are yeah and then we have azorius controls at ninth deck i think right uh, eight, so- eighth deck actually there's one more deck after that oh. that was above three percent of the meta but azorius control is the eighth deck it's actually probably the seventh if we put together mono blue oh i see what we're talking about yeah but mono the thing about mono blue control is i think that it's been a, a pillar in pioneer for a while but this particular tournament, control right oh sorry Azorius Control, yes. It's been a pillar in Pioneer, but in this particular tournament, it really had a not great match win percentage, and it was really buoyed by George DeBoer, like well-known uh, blue-white control player who had a good record, and then a couple of players who dropped out of, with bad records. So I, I think that a couple of people went 2-1, basically, or 2-2, two, two, you know, someone went 1-2, something like that. So small sample size there. Blue, blue's going to be around. Blue white's going to be around, though. And then the last deck is something that's actually ranking has a match win percentage in the high fifties that I have seen lately, or the mid fifties, let's say. And that is five color fires enigmatic incantation incarnation, not incantation. It's in, incarnation. Enigmatic incarnation. Have you seen this no. deck, Shane? Have you played this deck? Okay, so enigmatic incarnation is the thing that. It's you can sacrifice the enchantment to get an a, a creature of one mana value higher. Yes. Okay. I have seen it, but I've probably seen like prototypes of what this deck has become. So recently, I did a league. I played against versions of this deck three times in the oh same league. That makes me feel like people are starting to take a look at it. It's an interesting toolboxy deck. You know, it's sort of a combination of ramp. Uh, cause you're playing things like Wolf Willow Haven. You're playing things like, you know, playing fires, of course. And then you're trying to get that in, um, incarnation out there so that you can get what you need. And so, for example, you know, I had somebody go Wolf Willow in, um, what's Wolf Willow calling? I just said it a minute ago. Wolf Willow Haven? Yeah, Wolf Willow Haven and sacrifice that to go and get a Sky Shroud apparition to be able to take out a bunch of my Phoenixes. This is the type of stuff that it that it can do. Yeah. Um, you know, it seems like up, a big brain deck. Yeah, it kind of is. It's got a bunch of one-ofs and stuff. Uh, it's got Fable of the Mirror Breaker. It's really leaning into making Fable really good, fires and all those kind of things. So it's like, why well, have a Karn board when I can just have like as many creatures as I want? Right. At different mana values. It's in the deck. It's there already. It's already there. It's already there, Dave. Let's talk about this top eight. Pretty interesting top eight. Oh, yeah, we have a top eight, don't we? Yep, we can do it quickly. Interesting top eight. Adam Washburn Moses, who I think I was talking about in the top eight of the team tournament. Going to check really quickly. Yep, was in second place in the team tournament. Comes in as the number one seed 
coming out of the Swiss with a mono white control list. Mono, it's really mono white devotion. It's a Karn deck with Sarah Paragon in it. We'll come back to that in a minute. Harlan Furrer with mono white aggro. Vinny Fino with Mono Green Devotion, Daniel Kristoff, Mono Blue Spirits, Nathaniel Wilson, Celesnia Angels, Matthew Watts, Mono Green Devotion, Andrew Wolfius, Boros Heroic, and Zach Vincent is it Phoenix. A lot of rogues in here. Yeah. And remember when Agro, like Boros Heroic and like Is It Prowess and things like that were sticking their head above ground? Yeah. Those poor decks. Yeah. I don't think they're doing anything right now. Getting rid of uh, EI certainly hurt the Is it version, and then I think that Rakdos being so good makes Boros pretty tough to play as well. But the most interesting list, so Selesnia Angels was what won, so congrats to Nathaniel Wilson there with a kind of off-meta deck. Of course, it's a deck that people certainly pay attention to in Explorer and on Arena maybe a bit more than they do in Paper Pioneer. You know, the deck is there. The deck exists. It's got good cards in it. It also is headlined by Sarah Paragon in some places. But this mono white control list that led the Swiss was, um, it's interesting. It's got a splash for red for Fable <laughs> to play Fable. It's got Sarah Paragon. It's got Karn and a Karn board. So it's kind of a different take on using Nykthos as well mm. to kind of power out a bunch of really big turns. I'm very Sweet. curious to see if there's a rogue deck like this that might emerge at the top of the meta in Pioneer uh, when we get to the RC, a secret brew that someone has figured out. For example, people have been talking a lot lately about Grinning Ignis Combo, and we have not seen that appear anywhere yet, but it's starting to gain steam, wondering if that's also something that people might be start, start to look at. Um, so I think that there could be some upheaval in the RC before. That card's not Pioneer Legal. What's that? Upheaval. Not upheaval. <laughs> yeah. No, but there is an upheaval in this set, isn't it? What was it called? The one in Brothers The Brothers War? Oh, probably. Yeah. There's an upheaval style card that we skipped last week. Anyway, Shane, what do you think about this heading into RC? I know we're going to talk more about Pioneer next yeah. week, probably. I feel like I kind of just want to like save my takes for next week. We had a lot of cards to talk about, but in okay. terms of this, I guess I will say that I'm happy that like Mono Green Devotion wasn't five of the top eight again. And like with the really... What I think is I'm very curious what's going to happen in two weeks. I think it will be a very interesting tale of the competitive Pioneer meta. I'm looking forward to talking with you all before, during, and likely after the tournament. But um, man, I just... Because the format seems so in flux at all times, and we're going into Brothers War, and I think there's a lot of cards that have Pioneer Impact, Like, I, I guess I'll just spoil my, my take for next weekend, and I think that Azorius Control is going to see a fairly significant boost in power. Hmm. Between in this set, and okay. there's, there's cards we there's cards we talked about last week, and some will t and and maybe some will talk about this week. But I think primarily Teferi and uh, Urza's Silex, I think, are going to do a, a good amount for that deck in Pioneer. Interesting. I think Teferi is actually better than we even gave it credit for because it's it's so good at being whatever you need it to be. It's so good at being an aggressive blue planeswalker. It's good at being a uh, value blue planeswalker. I think it's it's really going to do something. Okay. I love it. Here's what I think. Yeah. I think Mono Green Devotion dominates the weekend and we're all disappointed about it, but that's just how I feel right now. Because of all the new artifacts? That and also just so many people putting time into learning it. They're not going to get off of it, but let's, let's see. 
It's been the villain for a little bit. Uh, we're going to talk a lot more about cards from Brothers War that might be good in Monogree Devotion right after this. So stay with us. So Dave, of course, our longtime sponsor, Barrister and Man, maker of fine fragrance, shaving, grooming, skin products uh, for people of any and all gender. They have a blog. Mm-hmm. I heard blogs are cool. Yeah, blogs are in. They're they're very in a way for you to get your your text out in the world. But this blog uh, not only highlights products, but I think lately has been doing some some cool stuff about f- focusing on kind of the craft of all of this. And you know, we talk a lot about Will over at Barrister and Man and how much effort he puts into his craft and the products that he makes. And this latest one that popped up a couple days ago is Notes from the Lab, giving lavender its due. And he goes deep in on like concepts like lavender accords and how he's evaluated 25 different lavender cultivars and variety to choose the one that he wants. He uses one, a high alpine lavender from France uh, that have different components and different notes than you know, more lower to the ground cousins and things like that goes into the weeds about the different oils that go into like a lavender fragrance. We know that Stan is a big lavender fan from Barrister and Man. And I thought this was just kind of fascinating because it really lets you realize the amount of effort that can go into something as simple as, oh, this smells good. Yeah. Exactly. Try it out at your own house someday. You, you're not going to be able to mix up a lavender as well as Will. I mean, that was <laughs> one of the first things that impressed us when we talked with him. Cause, you know, we, we, I remember getting on the phone with Will the first time when he reached out to us about doing a partnership and he was like talking about reviving old scents and all the art that goes into doing what he does. And as someone who, you know, also spends a lot of time every day having to think about how to make things, you know, it's, it's always impressive to see how other people get into their craft, how people really geek out about it. And if you yeah. want to find somebody who cares about the way that you smell as much <laughs> yeah. as you should care about the way that you do as well, reach out to Barrister Man, get, get Will. Yeah, I mean, la- la- since we're talking about lavender, it comes. Every- Here's the products that lavender has. Shaving soaps, aftershave splash, liquid hand soap, bar soap, beard oil, bulk bath soap, and the aftershave balm. So pretty much any and all products come in the lavender. If you want to go over there and check these things out, use code the dive down 15 for 15% off your first order. If you're, again, if you're ordering uh, a second order or third or more, just put some comments in the order. Say that, you know, the dive down sent me just so that they know that, you know, you're hearing these products through us and we appreciate all y'all doing so. Last week. Yes. Talked about so many cards in such depth that we had to leave some on the chopping block for that week. And then they had the audacity to spoil cards every day that I thought were worth talking about. I know. I'm really worried about this. We, we said that we were going to try to cut this down to like a top 10 list or something, but really, I don't know if we even have that much structured. It's really going to be, here's what we think about some cool stuff. I mean, I made, I tried to make like my top cards and I made a top like 12 and that's not like me. It's you know not. I mean? No, you're so we're lucky think... if you get three cards. <laughs> so 
since we have so many cards, thankfully there's just the two of us, so just two takes this time, not all three. Yep. Let's just let's just dive into these cards. And I think they're kind of in like reverse spoiler order. Like I think they're mostly like uh as they were revealed, I kinda of go in reverse and scroll up Scryfall. Thank you, Scryfall, for existing. I see. I, I've been I, you know what I do here. I order by mm. man of value. Yes, that's gonna be smart too, because that's that's good for our formats. But speaking of low mana values. Yes, I want to talk about things that fit a very certain need niche in modern, and maybe these cards will be good enough to be other places. But I do think that there are a few interesting Urza's Saga chapter trigger targets that we can talk about really quickly. What's the first one? Well, the first one is Haywire Might, which costs a single colorless and is artifact creature insects. It says, when Haywire Might dies, you gain two life. It's a 1-1, and it has green, sacrifice Haywire Might, exile target, non-creature, artifact, or non-creature enchantment. Yeah, this is this is like one of those cards that because it has it's a one one, it doesn't have a ton of text on it. It's like it's fairly innocuous, but then mm-hmm. you're like you look at it a little bit more closely, you're like, oh man, this art this is a, it's a one colorless artifact, which means like you said, it's a saga tutor. Uh, you can sack it, gain two life, exile one of those non creature artifacts or enchantments that's like bugging you. You can keep it around for insurance. Like where it's just like, hey, this is going to live here for a while. Mm-hmm. Give me some artifacts energies if needed. And then if you ever play one of those targets for it, I can just pop this thing for a green and then take care of it. And gain two life, which isn't huge, yeah. but can sometimes be helpful for sure. Yeah, I mean, I think that this card is very medium power level, but very high utility. And it's the type of thing that I think fits Saga game plans pretty well. You know, the cards that we search up with Saga aren't that amazing, Really, yep. I mean, it's Shadow Spear, which is a very cool card, and it's, you know, Nihil Spell Bomb and Mishra's Bauble, and I think that this fits that story pretty well if you want to go that way. You know, I don't know if there is a... There's certainly lots of things that you can search up with Karn from this set. I don't know that this card gets there. There's other cards that fit the mold a little bit better that are more impactful, but it's cheap. It's cheap yeah. way to, to exile an enchantment. Next card, Mishra's Research Deck. Single colorless. This is a card that I added in and I was interested in. It's an artifact. It has single colorless tap, sacrifice Mishra's research desk. Exile the top two cards of your library. Choose one until the end of your next turn. You may play that card. And it has unearth for a single, for a single generic and a red to come back and do it again. Weird yeah. to see a non-creature artifact with unearth. <laughs> yeah. Like, like I, it gains, it gains haste. Yes. Yeah, so it'll all artifacts. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Uh, yes, this is a what you call a mono artifact as well, in case you want it, because you have to tap it. All right, so yeah. this card is basically, to me, when I read it, this is a saga tar- targetable think twice. It's kind of how I thought about it. Remember remember think twice? Oh, yeah. I think that's a card I went, maybe saw once. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when I first started playing modern, it was a card that everybody played in their deck as like a one or two of as a little bit of card draw, you know, medium level cantrip, not the most powerful card in the world, but you can get a little bit of card advantage out of it. And that's how I feel about this card too. Now there might be other ways to abuse it similar because it's an artifact permanent that can go back and forth between the battlefield and the graveyard. It's searchable with saga, of course, and there's not too, too many ways to search up uh, card draw with Saga. And so it felt like maybe this is something people could consider, especially since you can use it twice. Yeah, Saga twice. 
Saga twice. And then another card that I like in this kind of zone is Combat Courier. Now, I don't know if... I think this card is even less powerful, but this mm-hmm. is a single generic mana for a 1-1 that says two generic Sacrifice Combat Courier draw card, and then it has Unearth for a single blue. Okay. This card is very suspicious to me. <laughs> because yeah. of, again the ability to unearth it. You know, this one feels a little bit more like maybe in some kind of self-mill strategy as opposed to as a saga target that you get these in the graveyard, you draw cards off of them, they're creatures, yada, yada, yada. Um, I don't know. This card is suspicious to me, though, for some for some reason. Yeah, I don't disagree. Yeah, I'm down. I'm down for all these, sure. Okay, so... All right. Random saga targets. All right. A card I want to talk about after those is Calamity's Wake. So one in the white instant... Uh, exile all graveyards. Players can't cast non-creature spells this turn. Exile Calamity's Wake. Um, this card's getting some hype, but I'm not super sold on it. Like, I think it's versatile, but I think you kind of pay for that versatility. Like, it's it's good against Cascade, but so is Silence, and Silence really sees play, and that's only, you know, one mana. It's it's definitely better against Living End, as I guess it pulls double duty, but really, I think this card seems a little bit too expensive for our formats, uh, probably even Pioneer. Yeah, I don't know how, if it's possible to um, really, you know, it's, it's funny, you said that this was a little too expensive. It's like, either this is a one mana spell, or it's a two mana spell, right? It's hard for them, I, I can't see them putting this much value on a one mana spell. So I have a little bit of cost concern about it as well. I know that this is supposed to be like, hey, you can get one sideboard slot for a lot of different decks with this one thing. I think that's pretty good. The problem for me with this is that these effects are, these are one shot effects. And so it's not something that's persistently good against people trying to cast a lot of spells like Chalice of the Void would be. And it's not something that's persistently good, like rest in peace. Calamity's Wake, I feel like it's the one shotness that makes me the most worried, not, not the cost. Yeah, I just wanted to bring this up because I think it's getting some hype. I'm not high on it myself. But can we go to a card that I am high on? Yes. Brotherhood's End. One red, red sorcery. Choose one. It deals three damage to each creature and each planeswalker, or it destroys all artifacts with mana value three or less. Interesting, like, mini wrath option for sideboards, probably. Uh, Pioneer, maybe modern. I can see this more in Pioneer can clear a board, it can hit walkers for value, it can uh, clear out artifacts energy decks with low mana value artifacts. It doesn't exile these things like uh, Anger of the Gods effect, so that makes it kind of a potential no-go. But like it, this flexibility along with power level, like you're getting both, and it's really efficient. Like for a Shatterstorm-style effect, right? I mean, it's not as versatile as that. But I think you get a lot for the mana cost here. I, I agree. I think this card is really good. And I actually think it could be pretty good in modern, depending on what you're trying to do. We do see decks run Sweltering Suns sometimes, which I know they do because it has cycling, really. But having this extra mode on it is is helpful because there are a lot of decks that run a bunch of artifacts that cost lower than like, imagine this against Hammer. Yeah. You know, like, having some extra outs to Hammer time, really, either side of this can be good against Hammer, depending on which part of the board state you're in. You know, if they have a bunch of creatures early, you can do the front end. If they if they have other stuff going on, it's the back end. If they have a bunch of Karnstrucks or something, you can do the back side. It's good against, I imagine, against, like, Rack Sack and stuff like that and Pioneer. Um, 
There's just a yeah. lot to it. Yeah, I mean, even against Raxac, where it's like, oh, it's not exiling, but it's like, yeah, I mean, the only thing they really get value out of the graveyard is typically the cat. So, like, if you're clearing a bunch of constructs or things like that, then they're not able to get value off those or, like, block with them or things like that. So you're still doing a heck of a lot against them. One card I wanted to talk about really quickly, Shane. Yeah. Audacity. Yeah. It's, Have you seen Audacity? Yeah. Have you seen this card? It's cheap. It's cheap. It is cheap. Have you ever played with a card called Rancor before? You know what? I I probably have cast one or two, but not a ton. I've not played with a lot of Rancors. It's I know it's one of those cards where it's like people have always it's it's like a you know a, a, a cube staple, like a especially like a peasant cube kind of staple. It's always there. Yeah, it's a Bogle staple too, of course. And this card is no Rancor, but having a one mana card. So Audacity is a single green for an enchantment aura. It's an enchant creature. Enchanted creature gets plus two plus oh and has trample. And then it says when Audacity is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, you draw a card. It, it's a nice little piece of insurance that lets you get some value for playing an aura and yeah. giving trample to creatures in these aura style decks like bogles or you know black white auras in pioneer or blue white auras in pioneer having something that gives trample is a great way to um give some evasion to these creatures that you make gigantic yeah. so en- enchantress style things you know you're just buffing like some creature with one one tokens and trample's always good. Yep. So I kind of feel like this could be something that could push, you know, gives gives auras a new toy to try out and see where it goes for sure. Yeah, it's worth mentioning for sure. All right. Forging the anchor. Two generic and a blue sorcery. Look at the top five cards to your library. You may reveal any number of artifact cards from among them and put the revealed cards into your hand. Put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. Yeah, I mean, I put this on here. Is this like an eight cra- eight cast draw spell? Like, that's a lot of cards for two and a blue. Or does this like, is it not necessary? I feel like it's not necessary. I don't know. Look at the top five, get any number of artifacts. So you're probably getting three cards three. off of this yeah. for three. Yeah. But it never becomes one mana is the thing. And Thought <laughs> yeah. Monitor and Thought Seize both become, not Thought Seize, Thought, thought Monitor and Thought Cast both become one mana in different situations. I mean, Thought Seize is also one mana for what it's worth. You know, the, so I feel like the fact that you don't, for modern anyway, I, I think that three blue to draw or three to draw three cards is just not really efficient enough unless it's expressive iteration, you know? Yeah, you're probably right. I just wanted to point it out because I think there's, I mean, that's, a lot of potential, but yeah, I mean, it's three for three. Like you can get three cards for one mana with treasure right. cruise. So yeah. Yeah. Who knows? I don't know about Not this one. I do, at least. I do have a couple other cards I want to talk about in this vein while we're here though. Okay. So let's talk about another draw card that everybody's been talking about. And that is called, that is called hostile negotiations. Okay. That yeah. Is yeah, yeah. Three generic and a black for an instant that says, Exile the top three cards of your library in a face-down pile. Then exile the next top three cards of your library in another face-down pile. Look at the cards in each pile, then turn a pile of your choice face up. An opponent chooses one of these piles. Put all cards in the chosen pile into your hand and the rest into your graveyard. You lose three life. People People are into this card on social media. People love cards like this. Yes. They love, they love like the potential for mind games. I think they just love like the, 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 the pile mechanic where it's like, ah, I'm I'm making some piles. I can mess with my opponent. Maybe they choose wrong or maybe I give them no good choices. 
Well, yes, you, you don't, you don't get to make the piles though. You just oh, choose right. a pile. So oh, this is worse than I thought. It's three and then three and you pick which pile they get to look at. I will tell you another reason that this is a lot. So I saw some people tweeting about how they were like, yeah, this is going to be modern pioneer and legacy. And I'm like, I don't know. Like factor fiction hasn't been that great in a while. Like it's legal and in modern already and it is okay you'll occasionally see it in a blue white control list someone will try to play factor fiction i also kind of think that this card is maybe not as good or the same as a card that just came out in dominaria united called shadow prophecy have you played with that at all no i've i've we've talked about it though i'm I'm aware of it I've played with it a little bit in creativity for what it's worth. And Shadow Prophecy does a pretty similar thing, except for you get to pick where the cards go. So if you have domain five for two and a black, you get to look at the top five cards of your deck at instant speed, put two in your hand and the un- the other three in your graveyard. Sure, it's one last card. It's also one last mana, but you get to pick everything yourself. Yeah. So picking I, is good. I, I don't know. Giving your opponent choices, usually not very good. I mean, I think if anything, this is maybe potentially pioneer power level but like i think really it's more cute than good and i think that this concept fascinates people where it's like oh like you know like i said the piles and the picking and things like that but i think ultimately this is probably not what i want to be doing like just because i'm not controlling this enough and it costs four yeah that's kind of how i feel about it too all right one last card draw card draw-esque card before we go on and that card is diabolic intent i think we should talk about here for sure Okay, so Diabolic Intent is a generic and a black for a sorcery, and it says... Is this, is, a, it, is this a reprint, or is this a new card that emulates something old? So, it's both. So, this is a this is a reprint from a long time ago. I think this card was in Torment, maybe? I mean, it is pre-modern era design. Um, and it says, as an additional cost to cast this spell, sacrifice a creature, search your library for a card, put that card into your hand, then shuffle. So, it's Demonic Tutor with a sacrifice a creature clause. That's what this is. Okay. Demonic Tutor, Shane, have you ever played with Demonic Tutor? Heck no. Okay. So Demonic Tutor was good enough is good enough to be restricted in old formats, right? In in vintage, for okay, example. So you, so you get one copy. You get one copy. It's been hasn't been printed in of course, years and years and years and years and years and years. It's like a forty dollar card because I think the last time it was printed was in revised, um legitimately printed in a set. And Tutors are good, right? It has the low cost of sacrificing a creature. Now, to, the power of a tutor is very much determined by the rest of the cards in the format, right? Like, there's a big difference between you tutoring up Ancestral Recall and you tutoring up, uh, even tutoring up something like EI, you know? Yeah, yeah. Extra, extra mana, less powerful card. But I do think this is something and a lot of people i think agree that this is something that's going to be used depending on the format we're working in it's efficiently costed and i think that there's enough stuff where like you can even sacrifice for value and then get like a payoff that you need to take advantage of that sacrifice something from the graveyard yeah, I mean, the big one that people have been slotting this in with immediately is play this in a deck with Stitcher Supplier, right? Yeah. So you turn one Stitcher Supplier, put three cards in your graveyard, turn two, sacrifice the Stitcher Supplier to get whatever combo piece you need, put another three cards in the graveyard. There you go. Bob's Flavor to taste. Yeah. I also think that this has the potential to be used in something even as simple as like Racksack, like yeah. I was talking about earlier, where you, you do you need a cat? 
do you have a cat? You want to get something else? Do you want to get your mayhem devil? Like maybe you can, I, I think the one thing that's interesting is that tutors used to just be okay to run for value. And I'm not sure in this era of magic, if tutoring something up and putting it in your hand is really powerful enough anymore when most cards are pretty good, right? Like most cards deliver value. They're in your deck because they deliver a lot of value. So I do think that you're going to be, want to use this to look for specific things as opposed to just being like, yeah, you know, I mean, could this see playing Yawgmoth? Maybe, maybe not. Yeah. I mean, a lot of, a lot of sacrifice fodder. Yeah. Tons of sacrifice fodder for value. And frequently you just really need to get your Yawgmoth online. Right. And, you know, or maybe like it's a grist or anything that you need or something you need to protect yourself or like it is a toolbox deck, uh, especially post sideboard. But, you know, I don't know that deck well enough to know if it can make room for a card like this, but I can definitely see the synergies there. Yeah. The tricky thing here is that going along my lines of like, is tutoring good enough anymore? We've had access to a four mana tutor, of course, that's way too expensive. We've also had access to a three mana tutor for about a year and a half now in Grim Grim Tutor, right? Which was printed in M twenty one, and that sniffed no no play in any of these formats. Like nobody nobody uses Grim Tutor, so now we have a two mana tutor that you can jump through some hoops to have have make happen. I'll be very curious to see if it gets picked up, and then I'll also be curious to see if they keep pushing it towards even lower costs until you know we have tutors that are playable in this era of design i don't know yeah because like you said i think there's a lot of conditions your deck needs to meet and usually it's i can win or come close to win or turn the corner in a really significant way and like you said whether that's a mayhem devil or like a yogmoth or any any number of turn the corner type cards i think that you're right like is this something that can just be played for value in like a, a sack deck or, you know, there's a lot of opportunity here. And I think people will experiment with that. Yeah. All right. All right. Arcane proxy. Explain to me why this card is good. This totally missed me. I, I don't know. I don't know. It's, I don't know one. if it's good or not. Okay. So the only, it's an, it's a seven mana, seven generic mana artifact creature wizard. Uh, it has a, pro, uh, when it ETBs, you can, if you cast it, exile target instant or sorcery card, with mana value less than or equal to its power from your graveyard, copy that card. You may cast the copy without paying its mana cost, but the prototype cost on this is one blue blue. It's a two one at that point. So what does that mean? You can basically cast any instant or sorcery with mana value two or less from your graveyard. Shane, this still doesn't sound very good. This can be played in cascade decks. So you can effectively recast cascade spells for one blue blue. And I think that's that's a possibility, but the issue here is it does not cast the card the first time. So this could maybe be a sideboard card for like grindy counterspell matchups, maybe. But then you could also you can also just say, why don't I just play endurance and like shuffle my graveyard back into my library and just run like a few more cascade spells like maybe i'm running uh ardent please or something like that like some people are doing where they're trying to go out to maybe like 10 cascade spells i think that you know i don't know if this is the kind of thing that's actually going to see play but i see the opportunity there but i don't know if i mean like typically these cascade decks don't have a lot of room in the sideboard they want to run like three to four ofs 
that really shore up particular matchups. But this is another option, I think, that also is on game plan of casting Cascade spells. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's interesting. I think it's interesting in the fa- in the sense that it it can't it doesn't ca- cast Living End when it comes into play, of course, which you don't really want it to. But um, it does come back as like a kind of biggish creature. It's not a huge creature in that deck, but it you know it comes back as a four three if it's in your graveyard when you cast Living End. So. I don't know. Maybe maybe it fits into that. It, it's a thing. It's a thing that exists. It's a piece of cardboard. So after that piece of cardboard, Dave, do you want to talk about something I think we're both into and both see some kind of potential here? And that's third pass, third path iconoclast. Sure. It's a blue red. So is it mana? A human monk creature. It's two one. And whenever you cast a non creature spell, create a one one colorless soldier artifact creature token. So this, of course, is reminiscent of. Young Pyromancer. Yeah, absolutely. A little more than reminiscent, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it isn't mana, but, you know, Young Pyromancer is typically most frequently, I think, seen in Is It decks nowadays just because of the spell slinger style that those decks have. Sometimes main deck, sometimes a sideboard juke to flood the board with creatures. This, interestingly, though, triggers off of all non creature spells and it makes artifacts instead of elementals. So I think this could get pretty quickly out of hand. By like you know casting cheap artifacts to trigger this, you make more artifacts that you can potentially do things with. Even if you don't even you know, need some artifact synergy, I think it's likely going to be better in many shells that would have run Pyromancer anyway. And so I think that there there's a lot of application here in the same way that there's a lot of potential Pyromancer application. But I think the fact that it makes artifacts and the fact that it triggers off of all non-creature spells gives us more play and more places where it can do something that's more synergistic than I'm making a lot of creatures by casting spells. Totally agree. The only problem I have is for all the times that I've tried playing with Pyromancer, Young Pyromancer lately across a few different decks, whether that was, is it Prowess in Pioneer or Phoenix as a sideward plan in Pioneer or in Modern occasionally, I don't, I don't remember the last time that I like had my Young Pyromancer plan work out. And maybe it's because I don't know how to play the card or I, I don't know. It just yeah. never seems to get there for me. And I'm I'm always like, yeah, this is my plan for X type of decks. And it's like, no, Pyromancer just dies and I didn't have enough spells to use it. Or I top deck one. Like, it's not a bad card. And I'm honestly kind of amazed that they printed another one of these because part of me also wonders if we're just playing eight young Pyromancers now. Like, are we just going to have a deck where it's just opts and monastery swift spear and the, and eight of these? And then that's, that's what we're doing. <laughs> that's what we're doing in pioneer yeah. or even in modern. I don't, I don't know, but yeah, I mean, that's a concern, right? Is that no matter how you slice it, it's still a two one that you don't really want to expose on turn two. And it's really easy to see the upside, but the downside is legitimate. Yeah. But I mean, at the same time, there's a lot of downside for cards that are potentially more aggressive where it's like, yeah, if I draw this, you know, mopey two drop on turn seven, I'm not going to immediately win the game with it unless I'm really getting lucky. But I just think that the, the artifacts, you know, we've, we've just seen the artifact creep over the past few years where like just generating cardboard that has the text artifact on it is sometimes enough to do something with. I think that's fair. I mean, it's hard to deny that this is a powerful 
card. Like I, I certainly think it is. I mean, people used to talk about young pyromancer as being the red Tarmogoyf yeah. in a certain era of magic design. So it's way at the top of potentially good cards. Um, I just feel like it's maybe not as good as it used to be, especially yeah. in modern. And no matter what, people love these kind of cards. So we will True. see, we will see it. You know yeah. what I mean? Like we'll see people experiment with it. I wouldn't be surprised if it's like one of those cards that's a, a forever staple in like five O drops, but like never is top 32 in a challenge or something like that. Yep. I can see that. Why don't we talk about a card that you might play with third path iconoclast? This is a very short one to talk about yeah. obliterating bolt. Yeah. I misread this card on the spoiler. So this is a generic and a red for a sorcery. Obliterating Bolt deals four damage to target creature or planeswalker. Literally two weeks ago, I was looking at people playing Lava Coil yep. in their sideboards in a mono red and pioneer and going, why is there not one of these that hits planeswalkers? Guess what? There is now. Yeah. It's, it's, it's straight up strictly better than Lava Coil. Yep. And this is a card that's needed for pioneer like it's a good thing that it's been made i think personally to help decks that are extremely red heavy like this have a target that does extra damage to planeswalkers i definitely when i was playing mono red recently really wanted more tools to be able to just kill karn or kiora yeah when yeah. i was playing mono green devotion and this just ups the count of those that you have access to so much what's what's red typically running to hit walkers um, you're gonna have to give me a minute to look up the list, but basically it was burn spells. Like it was skewer the critics. Yeah. You know, you're right. That kind you're of right. thing. Skewer, yeah. I mean, I think this card is really good. Honestly, like I think lava coil is one of those cards that you kind of have to run because of the exile ability. I always am like, this is too expensive. It's sorcery speed. And, it still sees play. And this card is just the same thing, but hits planeswalkers. And that's something that you just can't underestimate. And I think that that is uh, going to be a significant upgrade for red sideboards in Pioneer. Yep, totally agree. Taking a look at a mono green deck from Fort Wayne, someone who did not have a great day, but they just kind of have nothing against. I mean, they have Play With Fire, they have Wild Slash, and they have Skewer the Critics. Those all hit Planeswalkers, but none of them do four damage. Yeah, I think it's a good card. It's a simple, Use, good yeah. card. I think it's easy to overlook. Yep, extremely. I completely overlooked it. Yeah, I, mean, I, I was just going through the spoiler, trying to be pretty careful, and I was like, oh, wait a second. This is just a better Lava Coil. Let's just, you know, and Lava Coil sees play, so this is going on the spoiler episode. Yeah, absolutely. Next cards to talk about... Should we talk about should we talk about some Karn stuff for a minute? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do the Karn. Let's do let's do let's do all these various prototypey things, you know, blah blah blahs. I mean, for me, there's really two Karn things. Maybe there's three. It looks like there might be a third one in, in your mind here. The first one that is super obvious is Woodcaller Automaton. This is ten yeah. generic for an eight eight an artifact creature construct it has prototype i'm going to read its etb etb first which is when woodcaller automaton enters the battlefield if you cast it untap target land you control it becomes a tree folk creature with haste and base power and toughness equal to woodcaller automaton's power and toughness it's still <laughs> a land it has prototype two generic green green for a three three yeah why is this card important and scary shane i mean i guess that it untaps nick those yes 
So it untaps Nyxthos for the cost of two net mana is what it is because it comes into play. It adds devotion of green, green yeah. to it. So really it's really just kind of a pass through. It kind of lets you cast just Nyxthos again because can use this to untap it. You can use the two mana, two mana of what you had floating to reactivate Nyxthos, but this yeah. adds two green devotion. So it really just kind of redoes Nyxthos again. Yeah. So you, you're adding boatloads of mana to do any number of devotion-y things with even cast another woodcolor automaton maybe for 10 this time yeah yeah and you can search it up with karn and that's of course the big thing you can go get one when you need one i don't know if this is going to end up one of those things where you put one in the sideboard to search with karn and then it ends up being that there's three main deck because it's just that good you can have multiple on the karn board you know what i'm saying sure sure yeah just like just keep doing it two two splits um, yeah, this card is mind blowing to me and seems like it really pushes Karn Monogreen Devotion even <laughs> further. I think the other thing, of course, that's a little annoying about this card is that it's only in jumpstart boosters and set boosters and it's not in draft boosters. What? Why? Yes. I don't know because they're doing this. There's five cards that are only in jumpstart and appear somewhat infrequently in in set boosters so great we will see so how yeah. are people going to get this for the for the rc they're not I mean, they're gonna they're gonna crack set boosters i think oh yeah i mean todd anderson said on twitter this has to be the final nail in the coffin for like something in mono green devotion likely karn it's one of those things where it's like yeah like how good is this and then like you kind of think about the play patterns and what it actually enables and i'm like oh it's pretty darn good yeah 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 i mean this is just I don't think there's anything more to talk about with this. It's just, this is the card that makes me think that Monogreen Devotion is really going to be busted even more so now at the RC. And, and, and what's the real reason? Is it because like I'm getting a three, three and then getting to reuse all that mana? Or is it because like it's, it's like the only artifact that untaps the land? Like I think I read something like that. Like no, nothing that Karn can get can untap Nykthos. Yeah. And it's column B there you don't care about this creature at all it's just letting your turns go off much more um much more efficiently and predictably because you yeah. can double do it as soon as you have karn out there with nykthos you know and then of course you get to cast a giant storm the festival and yeah. maybe you get to flashback storm the festival again right away which is just the most backbreaking part of those nykthos games and then suddenly yes. someone's staring down you know, two yeah. Cavalier of Thorns and yeah, off, like you do the, off to the races. Like this, this, this sort of ramps you even more. And then you, like you said, maybe you cast that storm of the festival earlier than your opponent was thinking you would be able to. And then you get that Kiora off the storm and then you untap the Nykthos again. Right. And yeah, it's just bonkers. Yeah. Let's talk about a card that's more of a utility piece for Karn, but I still think it's important. And that is, an unearth card this t- time, this is called Cityscape Leveler. Cityscape okay. Leveler is eight generic artifact creature construct. It has trample. It is an eight eights. And it says when you cast this spell and whenever Cityscape Leveler attacks, j- destroy up to one target non-land permanent. Its controller creates a tapped power stone token. Thanks very much for the power stone, <laughs> friends. I mean, this is just, you know, they were using Meteor Golem already. And this is not that much more expensive than Meteor Golem. I think it's one more mana. I think Meteor Golem is seven. And you get to do this more than once if it survives. 
And if someone kills it, you can unearth it with a bunch of mana, bring it back from your graveyard and do it again. So it's not, this is not in the same class as Woodcaller, but I do think that this is something that is just a tool that is going to be important and useful and will help Monogreen get out of jams, get out of more jams than it could have before that involve more pieces of hate, basically. Yeah. So it has what? Annihilate one every time it attacks? Yeah. No, you get to target it with Annihilate. That Those are sacrifice triggers. Oh, this you're is, right. Yeah. This is get rid of what I want to. Yeah. Like, what are they going to do to like this 8-8 eight, eight when it's on the board? Exactly. Unless they have like permanent removal. Shatter. Coligan's command. And then you're like, fine, I'll just unearth it and kill something else of yours. Oh, man. The unearth is, yeah, you're right. Crap. Man, that, this is value. Like, this is just, this is a many for one because if you cast it the first time, you can unearth it the second time. You're just two for one in your opponent. This is, yeah, this is, well, three for one at that point. So this is just bonkers. Yeah. Yeah, this is quite good. Yeah. I kind of miss the unearth, honestly, on this one. It's really innocuous. It doesn't say, it has reminder text. It's just unearth eight. Yeah. I think this, yeah, this will see play for sure. Man, this, I, I hate to keep beating this drum, David, but like, what are they thinking? Like, I, 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 mean, I think they're thinking that Karn has to be banned, right? Like, cause you, you can't just throw this many artifacts out there because, you know, one of the things that they talk about when they talk about banning cards, what is, we talk about when we talk about banning cards is one of yeah, my favorite well, short story collections. Yes. So when we talk about talking about banning cards is mm-hmm. the, what is it? Limit design space. Do you know what I mean? Like limiting design space with Karn in a ramp deck is specifically this kind of stuff. Like even if you try to protect the the normal decks out there that are like, yeah, eight's a lot. But then like if you can also tutor it up and then in when you have the mana available to it, it's just like the, the tutor ability is what you know really brings Karn into its its current existence in the format. And so the only really downside is like Oh crap! How am I going to fit only fifteen cards in my sideboard? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I think this next card that you have on the list actually plays into that story a lot because this card has "Play Me with Nykthos and Karn" written all over it. But I yeah. don't think there's space. I don't think there's no. room in the end for this no, card. I, no, and, and honestly, I don't think it's good enough. But it's but just it's like, still scary. Yeah, Rootwire Amalgam. It's a five generic artifact golem creature. It's a five five. Uh, it has prototype one in a green, which makes it a two three. Uh, it has a three green green uh, activated ability where you sacrifice it. I don't know if it's activated or not. Sacrifice root wild. That's Algum. activated. Yeah, yep. thank you. Yeah, because that's a colon. Create an XX colorless golem artifact creature token where X is three times root wire amalgam's power. It gains haste until end of turn. Activate only as a sorcery. So if you can make ten green mana or four green, three green mana and you know, a bunch of other ones, mm-hmm. then you have a fifteen fifteen haste creature. I mean, note that it does die to fatal push. It does not have trample, but it is still a fifteen fifteen haster for yeah. ten. And so, you know, we know of a deck in, in Pioneer that does make ten green mana. I mean, even modern, but no way like Amulet Titan is going to run this card. Right. And I don't even think Mono Green Devotion is going to run this card, but it exists. And you, I mean, like, if you're playing at your FNM and someone wants to get a little bit wild, 
Like they're just going to be like, yeah, I've got this root or amalgam in my sideboard and I'm going to make a 15, 15 creature that you have to deal with at some point. It's not like the token goes away. It's just going to keep bashing in. Can I, can I throw out a wild suggestion here that just occurred to me looking at this? What if this is a direction that Nykthos goes after Karn is banned? Yeah. I mean, what just like you're just, as a creature in your deck. Yeah. It's just a creature in your deck with, you know, it's a two drop that you can play. Or if you can really get Nykthos going later when you have all your green pips out there and you can get up to 10, then you have rewire amalgam and you just fireball somebody, you know, along with your layer of the hydras to just power yeah. up these like giant creatures if you want to. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, but, typically like gigantic, efficiently costed green things are usually like, oh, they get deducted in cost based on your other board creatures. So it feels kind of like a win more. And like, there's not always that high utility. Like this can, you don't need anything besides mana. But in that, if you have that much mana, you're likely also winning. So it's like, what is this really doing for me that something else wouldn't? Like a more tech piece. So again, I think it's just like, what is, what is this? This is bonkers. Yeah, I agree. You want to talk about something else that might be bonkers? Yeah, go on. Arms race. Okay. Arms Three race. generic and a red enchantment. It has an activated ability, Shane, because this also yeah, colon, has a colon on it. Colon. For three generic and a red, you may put an artifact card from your hand onto the battlefield. It gains haste. Sacrifice it at the beginning of your next end step. In case you think that sounds familiar, this is basically sneak attack that says artifact instead of creature and costs three generic mana more to activate. <laughs> Legacy staple sneak attack, everybody. Here it is. It's more expensive <laughs> to activate and more restrictive to play. Yeah. But this is a that card card style that people have been using for a long time to sneak giant monsters into play. And guess what this set is filled with? Giant artifact monsters. Giant monsters. Yes. But they but they go away. So like what what do you what do you do here? What value are you getting out of it? How are you winning with it? So in legacy, what you do is you use this to get it's a Redundant piece that you use to sneak out an early Emrakul. Sure. You well, do it with, not, sneak, with artifact, show though. and tell. Right. You do it with show and tell or you do this. Well, we don't have Emrakul and Pioneer either. Do we In have Artifactical? Yeah, Artifactical. I mean, I, I just think that this is going to attract attention for people to put out whatever giant artifacts they can find in in here maybe you're blitzing out your level uh cityscape leveler and getting rid of two of your opponent's permanents for the cost of four mana and then later in the game you are bringing that card back oh you do you exile let me see where is no you, you sacrifice exile. it just sacrifice it yeah so you, get, you do get to do the undying later yeah, yeah. I, I just think this is a card that people are going to mess with and then you know that people are going to look at this in modern to try to cast Blightsteel Colossus against people when mm -hmm. they're not seeing it, which is a card that's been lying dormant in modern for a really long time, looking for a good way to be sneaked out into play. Um, this yeah. is pretty expensive for modern, of course, but just try to stop people from making hasty Blightsteel Colossuses. You can't. Yeah, I mean, against the odds, here we come, but I don't think this is, like, terrible. I think it has like a lot of application and I definitely think we're going to see like Seth uh, making some decks on, uh, on some videos. So yeah, yeah. Keep okay. your eyes open. So I want to talk about one more artifact creature, however, and this is another one I'm not sure is good, but it does in fact exist. And that's blade coil serpent. It's X mana six artifact creature serpent five, four 
a lot of text. So basically, it has different for you can you can use different color mana, of course, for the mana cost. And when it when it ETBs for each blue blue spent to cast it, you draw a card. For each black black spent to cast it, each opponent discards a card. For each red red spent to cast it, it gets plus one plus zero gains trample and haste until end of turn. So this is not a modern card. I don't think Grixis is much of a deck anywhere. It, but this is importantly How does dare not, you? it does not need to be played in Grixis to be good. Like, you know, you simply if this if you have six red mana lying around and you can cast this, it becomes an eight four trample haster, which yeah. is like not too shabby. Uh, I mean like I said, I think it's just like interesting where it's like it as color flexibility to do different, very different things. So like if you want to run it in like a black ramp deck and like make your opponent discard a bunch of cards, or if you have something where it's like every time your opponent discards a card, you know, something bad happens, or you just want to draw some cards off of it. Like you can just, it has application because it's an artifact and it can do something for th- in three different colors. I'll, I'll say that the, the one deck that this makes me think about a little bit is mono black coffers in modern. Because you can pump as much black mana into this as you want to and make your opponent discard their hand and you have a 5-4 as part of it. I, I think that this card is interesting, but you know, I don't think it fits, I don't think it's the kind of card that you should expect to see in really competitive decks other than no. maybe that one because that's the deck that can make the most colored pips that i can think of right now other than mono green you know it's it's a card you know so i don't know it's a cool card though cool design the one that's blue that's green and white is also a cool design we didn't talk about it last week um i think to me that card's a little too close to virtuous gear hulk it's called clay champion yeah yeah, clay champion on the list yeah it's another card that people might try to do i don't think it's a mono green card you know but if you cast it for gg gg it's an 8 8 this one puts three plus one plus one counters for each green green spent to cast it you put it on there and then uh if you do white white you get to put counters on other creatures you control i think the white 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 is like potentially worse to me because like you know all you're doing is eh, i mean i don't know like there's there's flexibility here the floor isn't terrible. The ceiling is really high with a lot of mana, but like I think this that reads more like an EDH token cards to me than something like yeah. in our sixty card format. I agree. But I, th- I think both are like cool, and like cool designs, and I think they yeah. uh, good on them. Totally agree, Dave. I think we should. I, I think we should talk about the double cards for Grease Fang. Okay, and elsewhere. Yeah, I mean, these are super interesting. One is called No One Left Behind. The other one's called Recommission. I'm going to lead with Recommission. Recommission is a generic and a white for a sorcery. It says, return target artifact or creature card with mana value three or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. If a creature enters the battlefield this way, it enters with an additional plus one plus one counter on it. And then the other one is No One Left Behind, and that costs four generic and a black sorcery. This spell costs three less to cast if it targets a creature with mana value three or less. Return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. Um, I can't yeah. made both of these. Yeah. I mean, the, the thing about this is there's already a reanimation spell in Grease Fang. It's the one with the cats on the picture of it. What's it called? Can't Stay Away? Yeah. That's my f- that's my favorite Alice in Chains song. Is that an Alice in Chains song? No, it's it's it's, sim- it's similar. Thanks, Dave. 
Thanks when I typed it into when I typed it into Google, it came up as someone named Darren has a song on oh, YouTube Darren, called great that. Song. Yeah, so can't stay away is return target creature card with mana value three or less from your graveyard of the battlefield. It gains if this creature would dial exile it instead. Flashback three generic white black. Um, I don't know how to make sense of these. I think that making Grease Fang a little bit bigger so it can't be lightning striked is pretty interesting. You know, Grease Fang comes back as a 4-4 instead with recommission. I think No One Left Behind is just sort of an interesting note in the sense that it exists, it reduces the the <laughs> casting cost, but I'm kind of like, why, why do they have both these cards in the same set? I mean, they're different colors, of course, but... Yes. I think recomm- I recommission is one that I found, and then you were like, wait a second, No One Left Behind is the same card, too. So... I, I think that this is good for Pioneer Greasefang. Like, there's not a lot of effects like this card at this cost that I could really find, but I could be missing something. Like, hey, Shane, they could already be playing other cards like this, but I think Recommission is an interesting mix of you know cost and power for a particular deck like this. Do you think that they play for Can't Stay Away and to Recommission or something like that? Or Yeah, you may just add more. Like, why not just have... More can't stay. I mean, one of the benefits of can't stay away is that the flashback, of course, right? Where it's like, right. not only did I do it once, but also if I mill it, then right. it's just kind of like lurking there. Whereas recommission doesn't have that ability. But I think maybe it's like a sideboard card where it's just like, hey, some extra reanimator effects. Like if I think my uh, grease fang is going to get killed a lot, and just like just continue the grind. But I don't know. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I I think it's potentially something. People are excited about it. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't play Grease Fang myself. I don't play a lot of Pioneer lately, so I don't know what Grease Fang needs to like level up a little bit. But I feel like this is this is a step in the right direction if you want if you need more cards for the reanimation part of it. So Shane, before we close out, yeah, you want to close out? Okay, I have. Well, I don't know if we have any more like must talk abouts. Must talk abouts on the list here at this point. I do have some weird sleepers I would love to talk about. For yeah, a let's second. talk about some sleepers because I have a good one. I think. Okay, I. I think I have a good one too that I haven't heard anybody talk about. So I'm going to go first. So the card that I have as a weird sleeper is Zephyr Sentinel. Okay. It is a generic and a blue. Is it a train? For a creature, creature, human soldier, a 2 1 with flash flying. And it says when Zephyr Sentinel enters the battlefield, return up to one other target creature you control to its owner's hand. If it was a soldier, put a plus one, plus one counter on Zephyr Sentinel. Okay, so it's a bounce. What's this effect called, Dave? Like a eat, like a creature ETB bounce type thing. Is there yeah, a name for that? Uh, there's a lion that I think was one of the first things that had this had this ability to return your own creature to its hand. But yeah, it's a protection. Oh ability. yeah, I guess it's, it's, yeah. One other target creature you control. Oh, you control, so you cannot bounce your opponent's creatures. Okay. Yes, that would be too cheap for that. That'd be quite good. Yeah, flash flying. Protection works in the soldier decks. Yeah, you're right. You know, like there's a lot of human soldiers. I was gonna say it's not soldier decks. Like most mono, most human cards that are used in human aggro decks are soldiers. And the big one that I, I was wondering about with this a little bit was um, Thalia's lieutenant. Mm-hmm, so being mm-hmm. able to pick up your Thalia's lieutenant, make a giant flyer, then drop Thalia's Lieutenant again, make the flyer bigger, make your whole team bigger again, potentially to do it as a way to dodge removal seemed like a pretty interesting way to have a little bit of interactivity in a deck that doesn't often have a lot of it. Yeah, 
I mean, like, yeah, it's a sleeper, right? Like, I think this will, yeah. I think this will see play in like standard soldiers, which is clearly pushed. But right. like you're like you're saying, like maybe there's something there for uh, the white aggressive. This is blue, so maybe some multicolored humans deck or something like that in in pioneer. I don't know. I don't think this pushes into even humans, uh, modern humans rather personally probably not so i think this card's good good though it's cool i mean like yeah i it just grows right yeah it grows and it saves your creatures unless you have some interactivity i think it's a cool card yeah there's one other card oh, i want to talk about got, really oh, you quick. got another sleeper okay yes it's a similar card it's a it's a soldier <laughs> sky strike officer two generic and a blue for a flying two three and it says whenever Sky Strike Officer attacks, create a one-one colorless soldier artifact creature token. Ooh. And then its second mode is tap three untapped soldiers you control, draw a card. Okay. I don't know. Similar like thing. It's like if we're making maybe there's like a blue-white soldiers build where this is the top of your curve and you can draw a couple of cards. Maybe you only have two of them. Maybe you're making tokens and you're drawing cards and helps you grind a little bit with your Zephyr Zephyr Sentinels and your Thalia's <laughs> Lieutenants and this is stuff you're, that, you're you're playing standard soldiers, aren't you? I I'm not touching standard, but maybe this <laughs> is where that card makes the most sense. It is kind of a bummer that Thalia's Lieutenant does not make these tokens bigger because Thalia's, Thalia's Lieutenant only puts yes. tokens humans. on humans, of course, and these soldier artifacts are not humans, but um, I don't know. A couple These couple of cards made me go, hmm, I wonder if there's some cool stuff that we can do in Pioneer in like a blue-white humans build. I mean, there's that new land, like the blue-white yep. uh, soldier land that we didn't talk about but I think that is a extremely good tribal land. Yeah. For, I mean, there's you know, plenty of there's plenty of five color lands in Pioneer. We've seen five color yeah. humans in Pioneer tried out. So, yeah. Anyway, Shane, what's yours? Okay, here's my sleeper. I haven't heard a lot of people talk about this, and it's surprising me. Serenth Steel Seeker, one in a green human artificer scout creature. It's a one two. Whenever an artifact ETBs under your control, look at the top card of your library. If it's a land card. You may reveal it and put it into your hand. If you don't put the card into your hand, you may put it into your graveyard. So this seems like it has potential to me. Like it's a it's cheap at one in a green. It triggers off any artifact at ETBs and fills your graveyard at will. So like you don't even have to put the land in your hand if you don't want to. Like for some kind of like random like delve or more likely escape count for something like breach. Like this isn't a card I see like immediate opportunity for myself because I don't think like this, but like I know there's opportunity somewhere for I, I couldn't I, I couldn't find other cards that like do this where it's like artifact ETB like effectively like peel through your deck a little bit or mill your deck a little bit and maybe I'm missing something that already exists that does this better, but I'm not so sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah, think I this, think I think this a, does something. I think it's an interesting card. I just kind of wish that it would get bigger too with one of these <laughs> things like it, which, yeah. can you put a plus one plus one counter on it if you if you end up milling it's an enabler not you, a finisher right yeah exactly so it's like where are we going with the enablement yeah i mean anything that wants it to fill the graveyard right like you can put it in your graveyard it just seems good to me because we know that the graveyard is a zone that people like doing stuff with and i think like you know we see the power of escape and having like escape cards for for breach and we've seen like gruel builds and things like that. So I don't know. I'm, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if this does something interesting. Totally agree. All right, Shane, how do you want to close yeah. out? 
let's, our spoilers. Let's, what else are you thinking about? I mean, I, I made a list of like cards I thought were going to be the most impactful, and maybe uh, we can breeze through some of them. You can agree, disagree, kind of chime in with your own, because we have a little bit of time. So here's what I have selected. Uh, modern. I think Phyrexian Flesh Gorger, we talked about this last week, is going to do something, whether whether that's something with like Ephemerate or something with Coffers. I think that I think we didn't talk about Ephemerate and uh, Prototype. I think that's pretty much something that will happen. You think so? Yeah, potentially. Interesting. I I just think for not better than scam though, right? Like it no. feels like it's a little more clumsy than that, but yeah, it feels it feels like a you know like a escape valve. Like I think people are going to do stuff with like blue, like black, white Orzov stone blade type stuff, maybe like ephemerate blade. I don't I don't know. I think it's going to be something here. I think the stone brain we talked about last week as well that puts you know the necromantia e thing into any deck that wants it it can be tutored with card the great creator if it's in that kind of deck i think that this is a card that will give that effect to more decks i think haywire might we talked about first to the top of this episode it's just really good at doing something and uh, is a saga target and it's cheap i think arcane proxy maybe will sniff some cascade deck sideboards i don't think it's like a main deck card i think Teferi Temporal Pilgrim is potentially good enough for modern because like I, I like I was saying earlier in the episode, I really think Teferi Temporal Pilgrim is is a novel blue walker. I told you. Yeah. It's good. I, I, I think it's I think it's just good everywhere. I don't think it's just decks that are drawn cards. I think it's just a good blue planeswalker. I mean like yeah. look at I mean, look, you can make you can just play this thing and make three blue spirits over like three turns, right? Because like you draw a card, it gets more loyalty. And then if you just want to go bonkers, like, you know, these, these, uh, spirits are growing really quickly. And so like it's a, it's, it's high utility. You know, you don't get the kind of aggression out of a blue, blue walker. So I think it's good. Yeah. The main card I would add to the list that you have here for modern is honestly, I would add diabolic intent. Yeah. That's probably, I true. think. I think that's probably a card that people are going to at least try to do some stuff with in modern, you know, who knows what Adnaz style annoyances it's going to br- bring into the world, but that's kind of where I feel like their my mindset is at with this. For sure. Pioneer, I have Brushland, opening up aggressive Selesnia, Mana, Woodcaller, Automaton, we talked about how it just is bonkers in Monogreen Devotion. Yep. Obliterate, obliterating Bolt, I think, is perhaps like the most sleeper sideboard card uh, for Pioneer in the set. No one left behind recommission, probably more like recommission will be good for Grease Fang, maybe elsewhere, but likely not. And then I think uh, I was talking about earlier, Urza Silex, I think for white based control decks, I think Urza Silex uh, does a lot. And then the upside of getting a Walker out of your deck is really big. I think being a little bit underappreciated perhaps. And then combining that with Teferi Temporal Pilgrim, I think will push these Azorius control decks in Pioneer uh, more forward as well. And Third Path, Iconoclast, I mean, we might see it in Modern, we might see it in Pioneer. Yeah, I mean, I as much as I was a little down on Young Pyromancer effects, I kind of think this is the best, this is one of the best non-rares, non-mythics in the set. For sure. You yeah. know, I think that that, that list is kind of short, but yeah. I mean, I agree with these lists that you have. Stasis Coffin. 
that 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 Karn tutor that one that gives you protection for a reasonable cost and can goes to exile can got back with Karn. Too annoying not to see some play. Probably I don't know. I think I think this set has like sort of even beyond like oh no Karn tutors has become something that I think is going to have a pretty interesting impact. I think the creatures are fairly weak on the whole. I think there's a lot of interesting spells, a lot of like utility players, a lot of interesting sideboard cards. Uh, and I think there's a lot of experimentation that will happen with a lot of these. And I think some will pan out and some will not, but unlike some other recent sets where it's like, Hey, there's some clear all stars and then maybe some like minor role players. I think there's potential in these cards to be, pretty broken like you know to the point where like cards might see bans because of cards in this set yeah it's interesting it's kind of feels like there's a bunch of things that just go into ban like i during the spoiler season i was like wow that card's absurd that card's absurd that card's absurd and now i'm looking through the full spoiler and i'm like you know it's a little less clear to me what's really busted or huge here other than stuff that goes into mono green devotion and pioneer where i'm just like oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah do you want to play a little game Dave, I love games. That's why I, have, I play Magic and other things. What card is pre-selling for the most from Ooh. Card Kingdom right now, and and how much is it selling for? Okay, so it's got to be a Mythic. And okay, is is Woodcolor Automaton a Mythic? No. Okay, I mean it might be Teferi. Teferi could be like a like a twenty eight dollar pre order. Very close. It is Teferi. Yeah, and it is nineteen ninety nine. Oh, okay. And that's from CK. So TCG might be like 16, 17. Exactly. Okay. So it's a little bit, a little bit over, but I mean, this is, that's also a lot because there's a lot of good cards in this set that I, so like, it's not one of those things where it's like, this is the only good mythic type thing. I think that, so yeah, I mean, I could have guessed lower, but I'm happy with that. Woodcaller Tomaton is selling for 49 cents on, oh, wow. on Card Kingdom right now. I would okay. consider buying those if you, I guess, I guess you only probably want one, maybe a few more, but yeah, it's just a rare, right? Yes, it's just a rare, but it's supposed to be hard to find, but maybe they feel like it's not going to be hard for them to find. What do you think the second most expensive card in the set is, Shane? So I'm going to guess that this is going to be an EDH card, an EDH, an EDH mythic. And, and this is my short list. I'm just going to look at the mythics and, and, and give myself a short list here. Awaken the Woods is one of them. Okay. Potentially Clay Champion. I think Selesnia Tokens is a popular deck in EDH. I could be totally wrong. Draconic Destiny. No. I think we've kind of underestimated Gix, Yogmoth, Praetor a little bit. That could be up there. You mean in by not talking about it literally at all? Yes, I think there could be something there. Uh, in the Trenches is just like a, a wow, a mythic uh, anthem. Man, I don't know. You tell me. I'm, okay, I'm going to guess. Um, I'm going to guess Awaken the Woods. It is Urza. Really? Urza Lord Protector, seventeen ninety nine. How much? How much is Awaken the Woods? Sixteen ninety nine. So it was a good guess. That was close. That was close. But there are two other cards that are seventeen ninety nine. Okay. Oh man. Oh, two others. I'm just going to tell you what I missed them. Okay. Uh, Urza Silex. Nope. Ah, poop. Yeah, it's not that good. It's pretty good. I'll just tell you. Just tell me. Yeah, I like the guess because one of them is a card that I actually think is one of the most impactful cards in the set. Yeah. And that is Phyrexian Fleshgorger. Seventeen ninety nine. Phyrexian Fleshgorger. Oh yeah, that one. We talked about that. Yes. Oh, and I, oh, I just talked about it. I talked about it in my top cards. So yeah. Yeah, I think it's card. one of the top cards in the set too. I just didn't realize that it was, or I'm not surprised at all that it is also one of the most expensive cards in the set. Anyway, thanks for playing, Shane. You did good. You did oh, a good thanks. job. You know what, man? If there's one thing I like, it's spoiler season because I just get to 
brainstorm a little bit. But I think that wraps up this week's show. Stan, we missed you. But Dave, it's always good to have some one-on-one time with my old buddy Dave. But if all of you out there have not yet why don't you subscribe to our pod on Spotify or Apple or whatever app you use. Then you get the latest episodes as soon as they come out. You don't have to remember to download. And if you use Apple Podcasts, you know, think about leaving us a rating, a review. Tell us what you like about us. It makes us feel good about ourselves. Helps people find us out there in the magic podcast realm. If you want to submit a question to us, reach out to us. Tell us what you think. You can tweet us at the dive down, all one word. You can email the dive down at gmail.com. Of course, if you want to support us, help keep us going, you can join the Patreon at patreon.com slash the dive down. We always want to shout out Mana Traders for being such a long time partner with us here at the dive down. You can sign up for Mana Traders using promo code the dive down 15, all one word. Gives you 10% off your first two months of renting Magic Online cards. Of course, Barrister and Man, another longtime partner with us. If you want to get their awesome grooming gear, shaving soaps, body soaps, fragrances, all that kind of good stuff, barristerandman.com. Use code THEDIVEDOWN15 for 15% off your first order. Nerd Rage Gaming, thanks for letting us be your partner as well. Uh, we love covering these events. And if you want to do a paper card order order over at there, you can use code DIVE8 for 8% off your order. As always, thanks Nowhere. Thanks Spaceblood for letting us use your music. And until next time, get out there and flash. <laughs> no, flash some soldiers. Not going to work. <clears throat> hmm. Gorge some flesh. Now it's a, little, it's a little violent imagery. Tanner, you have to let, let me, re, I'm retaking this. Let me look here. Oh, go for the throat. No, too violent. Uh, that's it. This is the outro. Just Tanner, just run this. This, this is that's good. Uh, hello, guys, guys. This is Tanner, your audio engineer. Did you just leave? Are you gone? There's no outro. Oh, wait a minute. Maybe I finally get to do the outro. Okay, this is a big deal. I got to make sure everything's right. We'll just dial up this reverb just a little bit. Like this? Oh, yeah, that sounds powerful. Love it, love it. How about we get some 3D immersive kind of wiggly-wiggly going on? Oh, yeah, that's good, that's good. Now, how about a little beat? Yeah, that's perfect for an outro. Why don't these guys have to do the outro all the time? I should do this all the time. I'm great at this. All right, all right, here we go. And until next time, get out there and review the Dive Down podcast.